One of the things that stops small business owners from creating marketing content consistently is this feeling of being uninspired, of having no idea what to say in the first place. If you can relate to this, you are in good company. So many of us struggle with knowing what our marketing content should actually be about. But I am here to help. I have come up with 100 prompts that you can use to guide your marketing from your social media posts to your emails to your longer form content. I guarantee that these prompts will get you inspired and that you'll have more ideas than you even know what to do with. You can download this list of 100 marketing prompts for free at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 100 prompts. That's makinggoodpodcast.com slash 100-P-R-O-M-P-T-S. Welcome back to Making Good, the podcast for small businesses who want to make a big impact. I'm your host, Lauren Tilden, and this is episode 175. Today, we're talking about ADHD. This is a topic that has been heavily requested recently, but I was waiting to find the exact right person to have the conversation with, and that time has finally arrived. I found her. Life is funny, isn't it? When I recorded this episode several months ago, I was in a state of wondering if I might have ADHD. Well, actually, in the last couple of weeks, I received a diagnosis that I do. So listening back to this episode, I'm thinking about it in a whole new light. And I'm so grateful for the compassionate and unique approach that today's guest takes to ADHD. My guest for today's show is Dr. Rajan Dunn. Dr. Dunn is an integrative psychiatrist with a group practice called Wildflower Psychiatry. Dr. Dunn is a psychiatrist with ADHD, and her neurodivergence helped her create something truly unique. In this episode, we discussed so much, including what is ADHD, what are the different ways that it manifests, how might it be showing up for small business owners, how to handle overwhelm and procrastination as business owners with ADHD, how to address environmental contributors to distractibility, the role of self-compassion in managing ADHD and much, much more. I know you're going to learn so much from this episode. I did. Here it is. Well, hello. I am so excited to have Dr. Rajan Dunn on the podcast today. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This is really a long time coming. Um, We're going to be talking about ADHD and having ADHD as a business owner. And this is something that has come up over and over again in my membership community, as well as just conversations I've seen in the small business world. So um, I obviously, this is not something I have any qualifications to talk about on my own. So I've just kind of been like biding my time, like waiting for the right way to have this conversation. And when I came across you, I knew that you were the right person for it. So I'm thrilled that you've agreed to be on the show and um, to talk a little bit about your experience and your practice and your approach to ADHD and all of that. Um, I'd love to start out if you would give us a bit of an introduction to yourself and um, how you came to do the work that you do. Sure. So I'm Dr. Rajan Dunn. I'm an integrative psychiatrist, and I have a private practice called Wildflower Psychiatry. And I came to do this particular kind of psychiatry by trying a lot of different things out and coming to coming to the realization that the way that I like to practice um, 
requires a really holistic, integrative way of thinking. So I, I kind of had to design that for myself. And um, that that's how I, how I came about starting my practice. Yeah. And uh, just this may be a very obvious question, but what does integrative psychiatry mean exactly? A really good question. I'm immersed in it, so I forget. But um, integrative psychiatry is combining regular Western psychiatry with other approaches. And those other approaches could be from Eastern medicine, or they could be uh, botanical, or they could be supplements, or it could be different mind-body practices, or different types of meditation, or lifestyle interventions. Really, it's, it's things that are kind of ancillary to just Western medicine, um, but that can be incorporated mm-hmm. and worked into it um, to to flesh it out and, and give a give a broader perspective than just um, traditional Western medicine. I love that. I want to kick off with a question that I think is actually a very important question, although it's similarly basic to the one I just asked. This conversation is mostly about ADHD, and this is something that I know a lot of small business owners have or believe that they might have and kind of struggle with and live with. And um, that's what we're going to dig into today. Like many other things, I personally have OCD. And so a lot of times people throw around the term OCD, like, oh, I'm so OCD. Things are organized. I Mm -hmm. think people do the same thing sometimes with ADHD. Like, you know, it's it's kind of a buzzword Mm -hmm. that I think is used sometimes in the right way and maybe sometimes not. So I'd love to just maybe start out with laying a baseline definition of what is ADHD and what are the different ways that it manifests? Yeah, I think that is really true of ADHD. And and right now, I think it's kind of both overdiagnosed and underdiagnosed because there's, there's just a lot of hmm. confusion and misconceptions about what it is. Um, so the definition that is kind of a starting point, and there's multiple ways to look at it, but from the lens of psychiatry and the DSM, ADHD is a developmental disorder beginning in childhood that um, has to do with inattention and or hyperactivity, one or the other or both. And it affects multiple areas of life. So work, family, education, relationships, leisure, not just one one area of life, but at least a few. And what are some of the ways that it might be showing up for small business owners? Like what would be some of the ways that it might be either helping or hurting us in terms of approaching our work as, as business owners? Yeah. So the ways that it would probably show up um, in terms of hurting would be things related to difficulty with concentration and focus and organizing. So having trouble organizing the tasks that need to be done, um, what the priorities are, uh, avoiding the things that are boring or that require sustained mental effort. So a lot of times this looks like administrative stuff or paperwork or bookkeeping or um, kind of the, the, the part of the work that is not the reason why you went into it, but the ancillary things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so struggling to 
manage those things, struggling to follow through with plans related to them and having a hard time maintaining focus. Yeah, which I think is probably uniquely difficult as a small business owner because we do tend to wear so many hats. Like even if you're not an accountant, (laughs) you're probably going to have to do some bookkeeping at some point. Or even if you're not a marketer and marketing might be kind of like the administrative stuff that you put off or procrastinate on, you probably at some point until if and until you grow it to hire someone else, like you'll have to be doing that. So I think it's kind of, I don't know, maybe that's just, I'm so immersed in this world. So I think it's especially true for small business owners, but I do feel like we, there's an unusual amount of things to balance when you have the kinds of work that we do as business owners. So I wonder if it shows up especially much, I guess, as a business owner. That makes a lot of sense to me. And it also, I wonder if the people who are drawn to starting a small business are people who um, might have ADHD more frequently because maybe they didn't fit into a traditional system or an employment situation and wanted to do something on their own so that they could do it their way. And there's pros and cons to that. And it comes with this greater sense of freedom, but also having to wear multiple hats, like you said. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. So you run your own practice, which I think in many ways is like running a business. And one of the things, one of the reasons that I thought you'd be such an interesting person to talk to about this is that you also have ADHD. How is that? How does that show up for you? Or has it shown up for you in your experience running your business? Uh, Yes, it has shown up. Um, (laughs) It's probably why I started my practice. And I and I may not have known it at the time, but I wasn't, I wasn't able to play to my strengths in some of the employment situations that I was in in the past. And I really enjoy my work and really Mm -hmm. wanted to do it in the way that I like to do it. Um, which is not how it's set up in most places. So I like to spend a lot of time with people. I like to really get to know them and think about them from multiple angles. And it, it takes time and it takes um, a lot of space around appointments. So what mm-hmm. I was finding is I, I wasn't able to do the kind of work I wanted to do in the settings that were pre-existing and available to me. So. I really got excited about what could this look like if I do it my way and um, just took it as an experiment. And like, if, if I, if I can set this up in a way that allows me to play to my strengths, what does it look like? And do people want that? And does it work? Um, and I was mm-hmm. able to kind of approach it from that perspective rather than trying to fit into the mold. Hmm. So it sounds like in some ways, like you were kind of saying before, being a business owner is a way of designing a life and structures that are going to set you up to be your best self or like to do your best work in some ways. Yeah, I think so. I think that's, that's probably why a lot of people go into starting their own business. And that, that was true for me. It was a sense of yeah, what's already out there isn't really aligned with me. And 
so I'm, I'm going to need to figure something out that's better aligned. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to start just picking your brain a little bit about some tips or approaches that you might offer folks who are um, who are experiencing ADHD or who may think that they have it. Um, one of the things I asked folks in my membership community who have ADHD to to share with me, like what are their biggest questions or struggles when it comes to managing it as a business owner? And one of the things that came up was procrastination. Um, and it's just specifically a bunch of different questions around like, how do you handle procrastination? I think the subtext was like, are we just going to procrastinate or is there a way to like kind of stop being a procrastinator? Um, if someone came to you and was asking you about, you know, struggling to with their tasks and procrastinating to the last minute on things, how, what kind of approach would you take to walk them through that? So it can be different for different people, but I'll, I'll tell you about how, how it has played out for me. Um, I usually procrastinate on things that are very boring to me, like documentation <laughs> and bookkeeping. They, they feel really unimportant to me. Um, but then I also recognize that they're extremely important because we live in a world with laws mm-hmm. and it's, I, I, it's, it's a part of my sense of who I am, that I'm somebody who generally follows the law. And so (laughs) that's one way to kind of approach it is what, what is it about this thing that you're procrastinating on that ties into a part of your self-concept that you value? So I like to think of myself as the kind of person who's generally law abiding. And that is a framework that helps me understand that those things are important, even if they really don't feel important to me. So, so that's kind Mm -hmm. of step one. Um, and then on top of that, I, I usually need to set aside a specific chunk of time with nothing else in it, no other appointments, no other obligations to get those, those things that I procrastinate on done. Um, so batching them together, setting a specific spacious chunk of time for them. Um, and then letting it be, letting it be imperfect, letting it be minimum viable bookkeeping, Mm. minimum viable, uh, documentation, like whatever the bare minimum is that needs to happen, letting it be that and taking the pressure off Mm. to, to be great at it. Cause you know what? I don't need to be great at it. I just need to get it done. Um, so those are kind of that's such an interesting point. Yeah, those are kind of the, the, the two main things. And I got to say, medication really helps with when you've got that chunk of time mm-hmm. locked out, when you've identified this is a priority and here's why it's important to me. Um, pairing that with appropriate medication helps a lot. I think that's a really good takeaway is if you have things that you know you tend to frequently procrastinate on because you don't find them exciting or they're boring or whatever, literally putting it in your calendar on a frequent repeated basis to do it like all at once um, is really smart. I also love the point about perfectionism. I don't know if you use that word, but like not requiring everything to be done perfectly. Mm -hmm. 
I don't know if there's any connection between ADHD and perfectionism, but I find that a lot of times for me, at least procrastination is very much connected to Mm -hmm. perfectionism. I feel like I can't do it perfectly or I don't have all the things I need to do it perfectly. I resist doing it Mm -hmm. at all. Um, So that's such an important point and piece of permission to give people like it doesn't, not everything has to be done at like a plus level. Yes, exactly. And I think that they are connected. A pattern that I see commonly that I see in myself too is ADHD with sort of a compensatory perfectionism. Um, the, the sense of I'm going to make up for this by becoming perfect. <laughs> and that doesn't really work, mm. but that's, I think, a coping response that happens probably pretty early on. Um, that feels like it works some of the time. Mm-hmm. Another topic that came up a bunch when I was asking folks for their questions was overwhelm. And um, I have never been diagnosed with ADHD. So I'm, I'm hoping I'm a- asking the question exactly as it was meant to be asked, but essentially how do you handle being overwhelmed as a business owner with ADHD. I don't know if they're asking because they feel like people with ADHD tend to get overwhelmed more easily or where exactly this is coming from, but does that question spark? Yes, it makes total sense to me that that would be a common question. (laughs) Um, And it it goes along with ADHD. I mean, everybody experiences overwhelm from time to time, but it kind of takes a, a specific flavor with ADHD and it's really tough Um, so I go through periods of overwhelm that happen in patterns. It's kind of cyclical. And one thing that has helped me is to, when it's happening, take a step back and recognize it as part of a cyclical pattern. Like, oh yeah, Mm -hmm. I remember this feeling from this other time. And I remember that I got through it and the world didn't end and it is not really an emergency, even if it feels like an emergency. So that would be kind of step one, um, taking a step back, seeing it as a pattern, seeing it as not an emergency, something that you've gotten through before and Mm -hmm. that you can get through again. Um, not something that indicates that there is something fatally wrong with you or that you are a horrible person Mm -hmm. for being overwhelmed, which might seem obvious, but also I think for a lot of people, those are thoughts that come in. Um, So starting with that and then letting yourself address it from a place of compassion and acceptance, not needing to beat yourself up over it, um, but just accepting, okay, I'm, I'm feeling overwhelmed right now. This is something that has happened before and probably will happen again. And it's not a, it's not an indication that I'm a bad person, but let me try to eliminate what I can from my list, table some things for later, reduce my stressors, reduce my responsibilities as much as is practical and break it down into smaller chunks um, and get help if I can. Um, I think what can happen is people try to jump to that step when they're still in a state of fight or flight about being overwhelmed. And so the first thing really is recognizing the pattern and 
letting yourself get to a place of acceptance and compassion with it. Um, and mm-hmm. then you can try to learn from it. Um, you know, did I, did I overbook myself? Did I say yes to things that I really wish I had said no to? Um, what could I do differently to plan around this kind of thing and be strategic and take better care of myself? Those are all really important questions, but they come, they're step two. They're, the first step is recognizing the pattern with compassion and acceptance. I know I heard you say compassion and acceptance and a few other words that I know are a really big part of your approach, which I don't think I often hear in the conversation, at least as far as I'm involved in it around ADHD or even many mental conditions. Um, Having OCD, I don't think I've ever heard someone say like, oh, be compassionate, (laughs) like as a way of coping. So that's like, I'm just kind of hearing that. what is the role of self-compassion and maybe some of these like softer skills and like the way we talk to ourselves, the way we think like the control to the extent that we have control over those, those things. What is the relationship that that kind of self-kindness, I guess I would say has when it comes to managing your ADHD. I'm so glad that you asked this. I, I think it's the foundation. I think it's the biggest part And Hmm. I don't see it as something that is, you know, kind of an add on nice to have great if you can do it, but not really the main thing. I think it's the main thing. Um, And I see it as really a prerequisite for anything else to work because if you're applying, if you're applying a strategy or a type of therapy or a medication with the attitude of, I'm bad and I need to be fixed. It just perpetuates that way of thinking about yourself. And if you apply those same strategies with the attitude of, Hmm, this is really hard for me and I care about myself and I care about what I'm doing in the world. So I want to do it in a way that feels better and works better. Then you've got something to work with that, can really be sustainable and long-term helpful. Um, and you know, the, the, the mm-hmm. inner critic in people with ADHD is really commonly very strong. Um, you know, it probably comes from a lifetime of being marked as different, feeling different, being shamed for that and being misunderstood. Um, which kind of creates this inner critic, inner perfectionist that that is really harsh. So starting to unpack that mm. and relate to that part of you differently is um, crucial. That's uh, That would be a great starting point for anybody who's dealing with ADHD, um, especially struggling with self-esteem and self-efficacy. Self-efficacy is the sense of am I capable of doing the things that I want to do? Um, which with ADHD mm-hmm. can be really harmed and can be, can be low. And that's what, that's what self-compassion can help with. Mm-hmm. So practically speaking, if someone's listening and feeling like, okay, I really resonate with this. Like I do hear that kind of 
inner critic running the show sometimes. And I, I know that I'm really hard on myself um, or I feel like a sense of shame around this that is not kind or productive. What would be like practical ways of starting to practice a little bit more self-compassion as that first step of moving mm-hmm. forward? Well, it's, it's a learnable skill set. It's not just, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's not just something that you do one time or, or you either have it or you don't. It's something that can be learned. And I think I, I usually direct people to Kristen Neff's work. Um, Kristen Neff wrote a book called Self-Compassion and she's a psychologist and she's, um, like one of the, one of the main researchers on self-compassion, her website has, um, really practical exercises, short meditations, reading the, reading the book about self-compassion and doing some of those practices is a, is a great way to start. Um, and, and they, they can be incorporated into daily life very easily. Um, something as simple as having a self-compassion mantra that you go to that reminds you like, Oh, this is really hard. Let me have compassion for myself rather than whatever the automatic thing is, which once you identify what it is, you can start to unpack that and, and pay attention to when it shows up. Mm, So good. One of the other questions I received was about addressing like environmental factors. So whether it's like a messy office or maybe not feeling like you have your own like clean, clear space to work from, um, shared space, how to overall handle working in, in, in circumstances like that. I wish I had a good answer for that. Um, and I don't, I think, I think it's so mm-hmm. individual. The, like, I, I guess what, what I would say is knowing the environment that works for you, knowing what you need and letting it be a priority to set that up for yourself would be what I recommend. Um, making it as easy as possible to have the environment that you need that supports you. So to whatever degree that's possible, letting it be a priority and making it as easy as possible. Um, I like to have a clear space and sometimes I need that clear space before I have the time to like in detail, clean whatever is the clutter or the the things around me. So I give myself permission to put things into the closet. Like things are just going to go into the closet so that I have a clear space to work in and then I can get to them later. Um, And that kind of Mm -hmm. thing, giving yourself permission to create that space for yourself even if it's not maybe what you learned you were supposed to do is maybe a starting point Um, or being able to advocate for yourself. If you're in a shared living environment where you need what you need from a sensory perspective is at odds with, with what the other person is wanting or, or preferring being able to have a conversation to negotiate, to advocate for yourself, to assert, this is what I really need and let that be a priority. I think it's a really interesting point that I hadn't really even thought about till recently, which is like, there are conditions that help me work better. (laughs) And I didn't really know that until I'd say like the last six Mm -hmm. months or so, but like I tend to work really well when other people aren't awake and making noise Mm -hmm. in my house. So like I now wake up early. I work well 
really early in the morning, which I didn't really realize. Um, and I work well, like when I can look out the window, which I also mm-hmm. hadn't realized. So I think this practice of like getting really curious about like, what are the times that you've been able to be really effective and maybe what conditions are in place? I think that's such a good point. Um, and not something we're ever taught to like figure out. Yeah, we're, we're kind of expected to, it's kind of an expectation that what works for most people will work for everyone. And that's not mm-hmm. true. So recognizing that's not yeah. true and it's okay that that's not true. And getting curious, like you said, about what actually does work for you. And as much as possible, taking the judgment away from that. Like n- no judgment if what you need is to look out a window and what the people around you need is to be you know, whatever, whatever it is, yeah. letting that be judgment free. Yeah. Another place I always am like unbelievably efficient is on airplanes. Uh-huh. Same here. <laughs> and I'm love like, it. well, I can't just go fly around the world like all day long. True. Yeah. Being, I guess like stuck. Uh-huh. I love, I love airplanes for that same like reason and airports because I just, there's nothing mm-hmm. else that I have to do except sit there. Yeah, and you kind of also feel like you're being extra productive because you're also traveling. Right, right. It takes the pressure so I feel off. Like there's like a little bit of like, yeah, it's like, oh, look at all this stuff I'm doing. Like, yeah, this is that. just extra. I'm not, um, I'm, I'm above and beyond expectations. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think we probably have a lot of people are going to resonate with that, like, you know, above and beyond um, approach to life. Um, I wonder if you have any, maybe from your clients or your own experience, any just ideas of things that have people, I guess like a practical shift people have made that have made a big difference. So maybe it's like, you know, some people just aren't getting enough sleep or there's this particular productivity strategy that like tends to work for a lot of people with ADHD, anything like that, that have been like big needle movers. And I know that this is going to be like a, it's different for everyone. So like pick and choose and try different things, but just wonder if you have any ideas Mm. there. It is really different for everyone. Some of the, the, the one thing that I can say is the foundational thing that works 99% 99% of the time is doing the self-compassion work that's underlying any strategy. So that would be mm-hmm. the main common thing that, that everybody can benefit from. And then batching is usually really helpful for most people. Having one thing at a time that you're doing and consolidating, consolidating to you know, like a two hour chunk or even longer, even a full day for a specific type of work. That is usually helpful for most people. Not having to multitask as much in the day. Um, Choosing the hours that are your peak productivity time to be your main hours that you're doing most of your work. So really, if like to the extent that it's possible to design your schedule, designing it so that you are maximizing your productive time, your your peak thinking time, and lining that up with one main thing that you're doing. Single tasking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, one of the things that I know we were going to talk about was you have a quiz about ADHD archetypes. And 
I'd love to hear about the quiz, but I also am just curious about this concept of ADHD archetypes and what that might mean for folks listening. Yeah. So the quiz is um, really fun. I, I made it um, kind of as a creative project expression of something that I was seeing and thinking about a lot in my patients and also looking at some of the discourse around ADHD that's commonly available. And I was noticing that there's kind of a dichotomy in how people talk about ADHD, where there's a camp that says ADHD is uh, a difference and it's not a disability. And there are tremendous strengths that come with ADHD and it should be something that's celebrated. And there's another camp that says ADHD is fully a disorder it's a disability always and um it's a it's a condition that requires treatment and so i think both of those are true and it's more nuanced than either of them so what i wanted to do was was create a kind of a fun way to offer this perspective that would foster a mindset of ADHD can be a disability and it can have strengths and both of those things can co-occur. And rather than over-identifying with it as a disability or under-identifying with it as, you know, n- not at all a problem, um, I wanted to give people a way to, to think about it that was more nuanced and allowed for more room and just a point of departure for curious exploration of what it means to them. So archetypes, I thought were a, a nice way to do that because archetypes have their positive aspects and they have their shadow aspects. There's, there's two sides. And um, I came up with these ADHD archetypes based on patterns that I've seen in my own patients and combining that with things that I was reading in the ADHD literature. um, Some of it's based on, like I I have a list of references in the quiz. So some of it is based on research and that's combined with the patterns that I've seen. Um, But mostly it's a fun way to think about it that might open up more possibilities for people. I love it. Where can people find that? It's at ADHDarchetypequiz.com. <laughs> Amazing. We will link to that in the show notes for sure. Um, before we start to transition into the the questions that we'll wrap up with, I want to latch onto one thing you just said a little bit, which is the idea that, and I've heard folks talk about this perspective as well, that ADHD can almost be a superpower or an asset and a strength in some way. Um, what might, just for anyone who hasn't thought about it that way before, what might the upsides of, of having ADHD be, or how might that show up for folks, especially business Mm -hmm. owners? ADHD can be associated with high levels of creativity, um, divergent thinking. So, so people are maybe able to think outside the box more, come up with creative solutions, deal with really complex problems. Maybe, maybe even dealing with complex problems more effectively than with simple problems. Um, hmm. A lot of times ADHD is also 
associated with a sense of social justice, which was actually surprising to me to, to, to read about. But um, there is this correlation of people with ADHD caring about social justice, caring about fairness and um, responsibility. And so if that is something wow. that's really motivating to somebody with ADHD, that can be harnessed for great, for, you know, great benefit for the world. Um, and mm. it, you know, this also ties into people with ADHD having, um, having interest in something is what is hugely motivating. So being able to harness that and really focus on the things that are interesting to you, um, that can be a superpower. Like not everybody has that ability to, to fully immerse themselves in work that has to do with something that they're very interested in. Love. I want to just, I'm out of curiosity. One of the things you said in the beginning of this conversation is that ADHD is kind of like an of the moment topic Mm -hmm. right now for whatever reason. And it's both underdiagnosed and overdiagnosed. What do you mean by that? Um, I mean that ADHD is complicated to diagnose. Um, I think a lot of times people look at a checklist of symptoms and think, oh yeah, I have many of those. That means that I probably have ADHD. And that might be true, but it might also not be true um, because ADHD mm-hmm. does present in a lifelong pattern and the different phases of life are going to look different. Um, and it takes, it takes collaborating with somebody who has expertise in this and has seen hundreds of people with ADHD and hundreds, hundreds of examples of how it can manifest to nail down, like, is this ADHD or is it something else that might look like ADHD right now? So that's where I see the most common um, overdiagnosis is just looking at a checklist of current symptoms, meeting most of those things on the checklist, and, and then deciding this means I have ADHD. When it there, it could be more complex than that, and it's mm-hmm. underdiagnosed. I think in the sense that a lot of times it's not recognized for what it is. It's diagnosed as one of those other camouflaging things that, um, that it's not really. So it, it really, you have to make sure that it's not like, uh, like an anxiety disorder or like an anxiety disorder or depression or bipolar or trauma. Those are some of the common Mm -hmm. ones, but you have to make sure that it's, that it is ADHD and it's not one of those other things. And, but then you also have to make sure that mm-hmm. it's, it's ADHD, that, that, that you're not just diagnosing one of those other things and ignoring the possibility that it could be ADHD. So this all takes time. It, it's not something that you can only do, um, only do a checklist and then decide what it is. It, it's lifelong patterns and figuring out at different points in time what was going on. Um, Mm -hmm. which is not to say that people can't learn about, learn about the diagnosis and, um, 
come to a pretty good sense of whether it fits for them or not. Just that um, it's not an easy diagnosis. That's really helpful. And that brings me to my next question, which is if someone is listening and kind of has heard this conversation and has done some maybe Googling on their own about it, what would be the best next step for someone who thinks that they might have ADHD and doesn't really know what to do about it? I would say if you can meet with a psychiatrist, that would be the best thing. Um, because you're able to bring your lived experience in and collaborate with somebody who has expertise in it. And the two of you together can explore it as a diagnosis and consider, does this apply or is there a better explanation? And what can we do to help? So that that would be the ideal thing. And I know that that's um, hard to access. There's There are big problems with accessing psychiatrists. And so... A starting point that I think somebody could take would be doing a self-assessment online and bringing that in to uh, a primary care doctor or um, any kind of mental health professional. The one that I like the best is called Diva. Um, there's there's a version of it that's available for free online, and if you if you Google. Diva ADHD, you'll find this DSM-4 version. It's not the most current, um, but it's still pretty good. And it's a really good framework for going through and asking yourself these questions about symptoms, jotting down any notes that you have about, you know, memories that might come up. It asks about adulthood and it asks about childhood and it asks about all of the different spheres of life where ADHD symptoms could be impacting. And um, probably is a is a a good resource that you could take into any professional and say, here's here's what I am noticing in myself. Um, can you can you talk with me about the possibility of this diagnosis? Thank you for that. This has been such an enlightening and important conversation, and I I have loved hearing more about your approach, which you described this like in some of our email or the kind of pre podcast stuff as a little bit of an unconventional approach. And I kind of can hear that coming through in the sense that like, I I don't know of anyone else who would describe like the first layer of, of handling this to be, to have to do with self-compassion and being kind to yourself. And, you know, obviously not a medical professional of any kind, but that, seems really smart to me as someone who's spent a lot of time not being kind to myself. Like it makes all the difference when you are, and it's just a better, such a much better place to start from. So I've really loved hearing about your approach and I know this is going to be super, super helpful to folks. Um, I'm going to start to transition into the questions that I get to ask all of my lovely guests on this podcast. The first one is how do you approach doing good through your small business? Mm -hmm. I think I, I think I offer a, a style of psychiatry that people really appreciate um, and benefit from. I'm a psychiatrist, fully trained in Western medicine and, and fully trained in psychotherapy. And also, I'm open to other approaches and open to incorporating them with carefulness. Um, thinking about, you know, how 
how could Eastern medicine or botanicals or supplements or meditation or nutrition, how, how could it, how could these things be incorporated in a way that gets at a broader sense of who a person is? Um, and really what makes it all work is getting to know each person as an individual, having the time and space to develop a caring relationship with them. So really focusing on self-compassion, figuring out together what's helpful in a gentle, practical, non-pathologizing way. Mm, I love that. What is one small business that you admire? I don't know if it's a small business, but I love Chani Nicholas. Um, do you know Chani Nicholas? I follow on Instagram. But... So she's an astrologer who yeah. put out this app that's like nothing else I've ever seen before. It's so, um, it's just such a great use of technology and she, she stands for really important values like social justice and self-acceptance and it's a lot of fun so i that that's what i admire about about chani is she does this thing in a way that's really fun promotes self-acceptance and um is cool technology okay i do follow her i just looked it up i don't have the app so great (laughs) tip i'm excited to download that um what would be a book that you would recommend So there's a book that I'm currently reading. Um, I haven't finished it. So disclaimer, I don't know what's at the end of it, but um, it's called What Works by Tara McMullen. And it's it's a book about goal setting from a broader perspective, um, taking into account social context and values and how we come to how we come to the idea of goal setting. Um, so it's kind of examining the process of goal setting mm. and think it's, it's helping me think through more carefully where the goals come from and um, if they're really in alignment. That's a new recommendation for me. I'm excited to check that out. Okay. We are reaching the end here. I would love for you to share with my listeners where they can find you and your work online. Um, also, maybe just who would be a good fit for you in terms of geography and like what kinds of people you work with in case anyone listening is a good fit for you. Um, and then maybe again, just mention that um, quiz again, because I think that sounds really interesting. Yeah. So my uh, private practice is called Wildflower Psychiatry and the website is wildflowerpsychiatry.com. And it's me and I have a small team of other psychiatrists. Um, We're based in Arizona and California. So we work with people who who live in Arizona or California. And I know that's that's kind of a small range of people, Um, but that's where you can find us. And the quiz is at ADHDarchetypequiz.com. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and letting me pick your brain and sharing your experience. I think this has been such an important conversation. And um, yeah, like I said, not one I had any ability to do on my own. So I'm really grateful that you came and joined me for this one. I'm so glad to have this conversation. Thanks so much. So, so, so good. Huge thanks to Dr. Rajan Dunn for everything she shared in this episode. And on a personal note, and for listeners as well, I am so, so grateful. 
Be sure to go connect with Dr. Rajan Dunn. You can find links to her website as well as everything else mentioned in this episode at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 175. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd be so grateful to have your support. Here are three ways that you can give back to Making Good. First, I'd be honored if you'd leave a rating and review in your favorite podcast player. And don't forget to subscribe and follow. Second, if you have a friend that you think would enjoy the podcast, send them the link. Today's episode can be found at makinggoodpodcast.com slash 175. And finally, I would love for you to take a screenshot of your podcast player while you're listening and tag me on social media at Lauren Tilden. This episode was produced and edited by Corinne Monaco of Just Peachy Illustration. Thank you for being here and for focusing on making a difference with your small business. Talk to you next time.